Well, hello and welcome back to Earth Like Heaven. My name is Doug Ressler and joining me as always is Robbie Sherry and we are here to help you close the gap between heaven and earth in your life by learning to live like Jesus. Robbie, welcome back. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to uh, kind of kick off a second season of this podcast. You know, last season in the fall, we were talking a lot about the way of Jesus and why the way of Jesus is better than our way. Lots of folks really responded to that. Got lots of great comments, questions about that. One of the common questions, Robbie, was this. You know, you guys were talking about the way of Jesus. It sounds like a better way, but you never really kind of got down into specifics. You kind of kept it at a 30,000-foot view. So can right. you can you bring it down into specifics, sort of bound, down into the everyday, down into to, hey, this is how it looks like on the ground of real life. And I thought that's a that's a great question. And I think that uh, that's something that we can absolutely do. And so I thought that that's kind of where we would really focus um, this particular season on this spring, talking about the specifics of the way of Jesus. And of course, Jesus himself doesn't leave us hanging on that. Right. He, uh, he lets us know exactly what he means. He kind of takes the law of God, this moral law that transcends time and space and culture, and he really unpacks it at a pretty deep level in what's known as the Sermon on the Mount, his most famous sermon. Um, and he talked, lifts up a whole whole different set of principles there. Um, you know, give people just a kind of a, a, a sense of what this sermon's really all about, Robbie. Right. I think he he gathers a whole bunch of people on the side of a hill and... Blessed he, are the cheesemakers. That's right. Yes. That's right. Blessed are the cheesemakers. <laughs> he... Uh, Actually, it's just the purveyors of any dairy products, I believe. (laughs) He takes what they think they know. Right. And then he flips it on its head. Right. And he speaks in a way that he's he's sort of gotcha whichever side of the spectrum you're on. Right. And he addresses everything from anger to adultery to what does it mean to love thy neighbor in terms of the golden rule as we know it now. He talks about uh, worship and uh, sacrifice. He talks about everything and it's it's all principle based so that it doesn't it doesn't stay in the first century. Correct. Yeah. It's it's really and it's really meant again to shape a way of life for his followers. These are not sort of aspirational thoughts. These are actual concrete on the ground. This is what Jesus expects right. from the people that will follow him. And so when he talks about anger, for instance, which we'll talk about today, he expects his followers to become less angry over time as they draw closer and closer to him. Now, that may seem like an impossible goal for someone who's listening who maybe really struggles with their anger. Like, there's just no way that's ever going to happen. Like, my anger is too great or too strong or too powerful. And I will tell you, for a lot of years, I felt that way. I'll just be honest. I had an anger issue. And it wasn't until I was in a counseling session with my son and the counselor said, well, Doug, have you you ever read James chapter one, verse 20, which says the anger of man does not bring about the righteousness of God, that it was like the Lord hit me over the head with a two by four. And I realized, oh, like, yes, I've had this anger issue for a lot of years and I don't have an excuse. Like this is not going to bring about righteousness in my family. So I need to start dealing with it. Whereas I have an excuse because I'm Scottish. You are Scottish. You right. do have an excuse so, to get angry. I mean, in fact, as a Scotsman, you're just sort of perpetually just angry. Just angry about everything. That's right. You live with rage <laughs> boiling inside of you. Yes, you can actually see it on your face. I've had to put the, your I've head had to turns put that to red. Death in my life. Oh, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. No doubt. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about that. Well, Robbie, uh, let's talk about. So let's talk about like something like anger. Where where does anger in your mind come from? What is the source of anger in a person's life? I think. There's, there's a couple different roots, I guess. And the first thing that comes to mind is when you have something that you care about, that you love, and that's been violated in some way, shape, or form, 
that there's a natural response and that's anger to it. So the example I give my students um, at school is if something happens that you could care less about, then you walk by and you're indifferent to it. It doesn't, doesn't affect you. It, it doesn't matter to you. You don't really have a response. Right. Versus if something that you really care deeply about is being hurt or being damaged or something, then you'll feel anger. Uh, the example I, I typically throw out there for them is we don't pay a whole lot of attention to a couple that's arguing, let's say, in the parking lot. If we don't know the couple, we walk by, we might, you know, do an eye look at somebody we're walking with. Awkward. Yes, right. and we, we like might that, yeah. whisper about it later. But if there's an argument and someone we love is involved in the argument and we see that they're being threatened, then... Yeah, anger anger wells mm-hmm. up. So I think yeah. generally speaking, and it can be from the silliest of things. Like you might, you might really like your car. And if something happens to your car, uh, yeah, then you're right. going to be angry. I mean, yeah. I, I don't want to make it seem all spiritual and all this. Sometimes there's something that you really care about right. that as soon as you tell somebody else, it seems right. kind of silly, but you say, I really care. Uh, I remember we were walking out to a fire drill one time in my school and there was a kid with brand new shoes on. And a kid stepped on his shoes. And that's like a big no-no now with when you've got your kicks and they're perfectly white and somebody dirties those up. Man, did he get angry. Just like, how could you possibly do that? So it, yeah. it, it transcends sort of the petty, the small things that we really care about being violated to the deeper things, to relationships, to right. people um, that we love. And when those things go awry, then we feel anger. Yeah, the examples I use with people, and I, I sit down and talk with folks all the time about lots of different things, and anger is something that is a common thing people want to talk about. And so, for instance, I would say over the last maybe, oh, I don't know, maybe four to six years, maybe last two or three election cycles, uh-huh. it's clear that people love their country, but they feel like it is under threat. And that's true whether they are coming at it from the left or from the right. It doesn't seem to matter. Both sides feel like their vision of what America should be or could be is under threat, is under siege. And that's why anybody that threatens it, are mm-hmm. they're not just wrong, they're the enemy. Right. They, are, they have to be destroyed. They're the objects of wrath. Right. And so they just go out, they, they, they just become enraged. And you mm-hmm. see it play out on social media. You see it on you know, all kinds of different things. So I, I totally agree with you. I think the source of anger is is when something we love, when something we care about is threatened, whether, like you said, it's something as small as like a car or something like that, or something as big as love of country or love of a spouse or love of a child when they come under threat, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. You're, you're a teacher, right? right? And of course, we know nowadays teachers feel a lot under siege because parents are so angry or can be so angry. Mm-hmm. And why are parents angry? Parents are angry because they feel like their child is being threatened or the future of their child is being threatened. And you know what? Whatever you think about that, that's like a legitimate fear, right? That's a legitimate thing. Now, here's the problem. Anger, as I said, doesn't actually yield righteousness. Correct. It yields unrighteousness. It, it doesn't actually get you any closer to God. It actually pushes you further away from God. And the further away from God you are, the more destructive the results. So what, what impact have you, what, what's the impact of anger? When we get angry, when we get out of control, when we get enraged, when, when all of those things happen, what, what kind of impact do we see take place in the lives of those that we love or the lives of those people around us? Right. I think it's unique in that Nobody, when you ask them, hey, do you like yourself when you're angry? I don't think many people no, go, right, yes, right, I do. Right. That's yeah. right. Yes. I'm awesome. I wake <laughs> I feel up and great. Think, boy, was I glad <laughs> I was angry yesterday. Right. We all have this, 
what was I thinking? Yeah. Um, so I think the question becomes then, well, if we see that and we see that pattern, then what can we do about it? And so right. the impact that I see, two points. One, the impact that I see with young people tends to be their outlet for anger these days tends to be unhealthy because they either bottle it up inside right. and they, they get so angry at a person or a thing. And I mean, it can be it can be a friend group. It can be something their parents said. Uh, a lot of what I uh, experience are kids getting upset with maybe a coach who didn't give them sure. playing time or something like this. And so rather than express it, they, they bottle it up inside and they just think, you know, oh my gosh, if that coach only knew or this person only knew. And then every time they see the object of their anger, or the source, then they basically murder that person in their hearts mm-hmm. and what they're not aware of at the time is you're actually not affecting that person. Right. Your anger is having zero effect on like, you think you're going to get back at them by hurting them. And so you're going to turn a cold shoulder to them or something like that. And actually you're just wilting yourself inside. Right. The other thing I was going to say is a sub point to what we were talking about with anger coming from that, which we love being violated is having this, this expectation unmet. So, yeah. Right. We think we deserve something. We yep. think that we're entitled to something. And when that doesn't happen, we get angry. And so the result of that tends to be these lash outs, these, I said something that later I have to come back and apologize for, or I did something that is out of character for me. So I think, I think the effect of anger tends to be regret. Yeah, I actually think that is like probably the biggest impact is regret. I like you said, not many people I know lash out in anger and then turn around the next day and are like, "Yeah, I feel pretty good about that." Right. Like I mean, almost everybody has regret. So if anger leads to regret, why do we do it? Why do we do it? It's because it's we we it's it's a it's an almost um instinctual reaction to, yeah, an expectation that has gone unmet. Uh, someone that we care about or something that we care about has been violated. We almost can't control it. And I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus frames anger as murder. That may sound really extreme to our listeners. That may sound like, whoa, Jesus, like, is it really that bad? You know, kind of thing. But Jesus understands what anger does to us. It blinds us. Mm -hmm. You know, so people talk about being filled with rage to the point where you see red. I've actually met people who've seen, like, they, they, that's, that's actually what happens to them. Physiologically, they see red. It's like a film comes down over their eyes. They don't even see what's in front of them anymore, right? right? It's why, like, when I was younger, you know, I get angry, and what would I do? I would punch a wall. Now, I'm not even thinking in it's that moment, idea. like, that this is, like, yeah, great idea. Yeah, this Knuckles is going to go well. Yeah. All that stuff. I'm punching a wall, and I'm hurting myself. How are your drywall skills? Right. And my drywall skills improve. Right. Um, you know, stuff, stuff like that, like we don't, we're not thinking. We're blinded in that moment. And and because we're blinded and because we're not thinking and because we're just instinctual, we're being driven by the adrenaline and all of the, you know, what's going on inside us. Jesus knows that we are fully capable of things that we would not otherwise do were we in our right mind. Mm. So you think about the number of incidents we hear about, like of road rage. Someone goes in rage and then they they actually use their vehicle as a weapon right? and someone gets hurt, right? Or we get so enraged. I have known young people who get so enraged over something that happens. And what do they do? They do something self-destructive. You know, maybe they try to attempt suicide or something like that, right? Which is right. self-murder, essentially, right? right? And, and so Jesus knows what anger does and what it makes us capable of and, 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 and how destructive it can be to relationships 
how destructive it can be to you know us emotionally, physically, spiritually, all of the different impacts that it has. And I'm I'm with you. I think I think anger is like a poison in the in the soul, right? That just yeah. so then what if we're going to contrast then how, how the world teaches us to deal with anger versus how Jesus teaches us to deal with anger, right? That's what we're yeah. trying to contrast. We're saying the way of Jesus is actually better here. So how does the world teach us to deal with anger, Robbie? What does the world say <laughs> to the individual who just gets enraged over whatever it may be? Yeah. I think with the young people that I deal with, the world tells them to get back at the person. Oh, okay. Yeah. And to get back at the person uh, via social media, mm-hmm. via the rumor mill, via any number of ways that isn't directly confronting the person or the, the object of the thing that's making them angry. That's the world says, Hey, you're angry. Take it out on the thing that's making you angry, but maybe not directly. Right. And so the reason why that doesn't work is because then it, it poisons yourself and it's, it's right. cancerous self. The other thing I think people do is they, or that culture teaches us with anger is to disassociate it from ourselves. Mm is to say, uh, that's not me. You know, I, I did something that I'm not... I'm not, not responsible I'm for. I'm not responsible right. for that, right. Like, I I did this thing, I said this thing, and that's that's not really me. Right. That So we, we disassociate ourselves from anger because we're not angry people. Right. We're just people who happen to get angry. Right. And that makes us feel better about ourselves. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I think the world is is more intent on us feeling better about ourselves than resolving the issue. Yeah, and that way anger almost becomes an excuse for bad decision making or um, hurtful decision making right. or whatever it may be. Oh, you know, um, yeah, I know I hurt you, but I was angry. Right. And so almost like, so give me a pass. Right? Even to the point that now when we teach people how to apologize, mm-hmm. it's one of those things that I remember teaching my children. I, I, I mean... You dream about getting married. You dream about having children, these things. Nobody ever teaches you like, hey, someday you're going to have to teach your kid how to apologize. I never read that book. You know, like here's how you step one. Right. But the way the world teaches young people to apologize, they just say things like, my bad. Yeah. So they get angry. They do something in, in their rage that hurts somebody and they go, my bad. Or... My B, like it's even shorter. Yeah, it's even shorter. It started off with my B. That was my fault. Then it was my bad. Now it's just my B. Yeah. Instead of saying, pretty soon it's just going to be. Yes. So I remember teaching our kids because we would say, you know, say your words, and people say, "I'm sorry for this," and we try to teach our kid address the problem and make the apology the last thing you say. So you'd say, "Man, I said some things about you that I know Mm -hmm. cut to your heart and." Uh, they probably hurt you tremendously. In fact, I know they did. And I did that because in the moment, I just wanted to get back at you because I felt so uh, inept and so frustrated with myself. And so for that, I'm sorry. Like apologizing at the end Mm -hmm. and addressing the issue at the beginning. Our world doesn't teach how to apologize anymore. That's how... That's how much we've separated ourselves from the anger. The anger is out there. The rage is out there. And so we just said, sorry about that. We good? Yeah. You just drop it on the other person right. or we right. apologize and say, I'm sorry that you felt that way. I'm sorry. Right. The non-apology. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. I'm sorry that hurt you. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm sorry you were hurt by what I said. Yeah. And, and, and all that ends up doing, of course, is leaving a bunch of wounded bodies and wounded people in our wake because you, you can't just pretend that anger doesn't have a real impact or that anger doesn't leave a mark. Anger, anger leaves a mark yeah. and that mark is 
painful and it's hard and it's difficult. You know, I work with people all the time who grew up in homes where anger was expressed loudly and often. Hmm. And it created a culture of fear. It created a culture of anxiety. And these are people that from a very young age learned that they were not safe around their parents because of the anger. Or they learned that they weren't uh, safe around a brother or sister because of the anger. They learned that when I'm around this person, there's just going to be damage that will be done that will go unaddressed and unresolved because the person never says, I'm sorry, or the person Mm -hmm. never asks for forgiveness or whatever it may be, right? Mm -hmm. And and the person never wants to deal with their anger. That's, quote unquote, just the way that I am. You don't understand. That's just the way that I am. Well, time out. Like, you don't get to go around damaging people and then use your anger again as an excuse or a justification or Mm -hmm. whatever that may be. That's just not how it works. And so contrast that way, which is, which is, I think you're right. That's how the world teaches us. I think the world in general says that anger is a, a, can be a bad thing. I think the world says that anger is not always a bad thing. Sure. Right. Anger, if it's in pursuit of so-called justice, righteousness, whatever, whatever the world's conception of those things are, Uh is actually justified. Right. It's actually go, it's actually okay. And you'll see it in political speeches, you know, people that are doing, you know, social commentary in our culture, you see it on the news, you know, when it's a real contentious issue and people get upset and they get angry and they get fired up and they're yelling and they're spitting and their faces are all red and, you know, whatever it might be. And people go, oh, like, you know, like it's almost like worthy of admiration, right? Right. We've because come up this person is so passionate about justice and they're just enraged, right? Uh, and that's all they are. They're enraged and as a result, they're just lashing out. It, it doesn't actually, it's not constructive. It doesn't, it doesn't actually go anywhere. Right. I mean, the example that I would use is most recently is that the young gal from Europe who Greta... Um, Th- I can't, Thunberg? Yes, I can't, how you say her last name, um, who was the climate activist, which a lot of respect for her, her, her convictions around climate care. And, and as a Christian, I believe in climate care. And I think mm-hmm. we should take care of what God has given us. And I think we should think about renewable energy and all of those different things. I'm on board. But she gives a speech at the UN where she just basically is enraged. And she just is yelling. And she's yelling, how dare you? How dare you? Over and over and over again. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, this is just rage. That's all this is. Right. And, and, and that was kind of the last you heard of her. Hmm. She kind of sailed back to Europe and has really kind of disappeared off the scene. Why? Because anger doesn't lead to anything constructive. There's nothing you can do with that. Right. I mean... Maybe it's healthy to be expressed on some level, like she's expressing the hurt of an entire generation that uh-huh. feels like they're going to have to be responsible to clean up the mess right. of previous generations. I totally can get that. I'm, 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 I understand that. But at the, at the end of the day, it was just, I'm angry with you. And it didn't actually go anywhere. And then, like I said, we don't ever hear from her again. Right. You know, so I, I think, again, whereas the world says, oh, that's a justification, like we're going to celebrate her we're going to make her, you know, person of the year or whatever it might be because she's so angry, which means she's so passionate. Mm. You know, Jesus has a different way. He does. And so what is, in contrast to that, what is the way of Jesus? I think Jesus talks about, there's two thoughts come to mind. One, he talks about sort of a righteous anger. Right. And are we capable of that? Do you think, Robbie? Are human beings capable of righteous anger? I always hear people say, well, Jesus turned over the tables in the temple. I'm like, yeah, but you're not really Jesus. So right. 
And there's nobody with tables selling access to God. I mean, you getting a whip and starting like, you know, laying waste to people around you. you I'm not sure I want us to go down that road. Yeah, I mean. When I talk to kids, hey, if you get a whip, your anger expression is justified. That's right. You're not Indiana Jones, okay? I mean, so. (laughs) I think going back to what I said, the root of anger. If if one of the roots of anger is feeling like you're deserving of something Mm -hmm. and you don't get that which you think you deserve, a good response. I, and I think Jesus tells us ultimately to look at our hearts. Right. I mean, in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, he's saying that at the root of murder, this extreme action is simple hatred. Right. And so if in our, in our moments of anger, if we stop and ask ourselves, like, what, what do I think I'm entitled to right now? Right. And right. example I would use is the, you know, if I'm waiting in the grocery store line, I've said this before, but I, I have a grocery store right near my house that I always ask my wife on the way home. Hey, and you're not going to tell us the name of this grocery store. Do you know? Store. I'm not going to tell you Because I want to go stand in line in it front is, of you, actually. <laughs> I want to time this Thank out. Thank you. I want to see Thank you. Robbie enraged I mean, getting off as work. he waits. It's 445. I'm going to be the guy with the barcode facing myself, just <laughs> trying right. to get it, you know, and Can't, you're going to be like, what is going how on, can wrestler? you not figure out the old self-scan <laughs> right, That's going to be me. It's pretty simple. <laughs> and I'm just going to look at you the whole time. That's right. Yeah, I'm the guy that goes, there's 14 checkout lines. There's one checker. There's only six self-check stations and five of those people are incompetent. And I'm standing in line with a half gallon of milk. Wow. We're going to talk right? about judgmentalism here, here in a few yeah, weeks exactly. too. So, but I mean, I just want to make sure that, you know, you maybe you just need to do some That's, confession time. I, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I sit there and all I can do is go, I deserve to be out of here in three minutes. Right. Because I only have one thing. And why isn't this line moving faster? And right. then you do the comparison and you kind of, you look back and forth between the line that you didn't choose in your line. And the same thing happens in traffic. Right. Right. When you're, the lane that you're in is frozen, you get into the lane that's moving. And as soon as you do, it freezes up and the lane you were in previously starts to move. And all you can do is talk about, you know, the person and the kind of, well, of course they're driving that kind of car or, you know, then all of this anger comes up. And I, I find myself having to stop and breathe and go, okay, pal, like, what makes you think you deserve the fast right. pass? Right. What makes you think you deserve? And I, I think what happens is, you know, people at work get passed over for the promotion. And so they deal with it in the moment of just swallowing it, their pride sort of thing. And they go back to their office and then they're driving home and somebody cuts them off. And so that right. person gets the right. horn and the, right. a certain finger. And then, you know, they, they come in the door and, you know, they're, husband or wife says, oh, would you like to know what your son did today? And it's just, these things start to stack up and rather than dealing with them and going, wait a sec, where does it say that I deserved the easy life? Where does it say that I deserved the life without problems? And when I can do that, I think the way of Jesus is, hey man, like check your heart. Yeah. Check your heart. Ask yourself why you're angry and what you think you deserve. And when you can bring that to him and when you go to God verse and say, man, I'm angry because this, like I, I actually thought I deserved this. Then, then your anger seems kind of trite because as you articulate what you think you deserve, it, it usually sounds petty. Especially when you're doing it to God. Exactly. Right? Especially when you're saying <laughs> yeah. like, this is what I, I mean, if I, if I say that to my son, like this is what I think I deserve, it never sounds actually trite. It actually that's sounds true. pretty justified. Yeah. But if I'm doing it with Jesus, a little bit different, right? Right. And I think, I think, I think that's exactly right. And I think that's exactly what Jesus says. He uses, I mean, he could have used an, so many different examples on how to deal with your anger, but he pulls an example out of worship. 
which I think is very intentional, yeah. which is to say, all right, if you're in worship, and of course all of life is supposed to be an act of worship, we're supposed to continually be walking in the Spirit, we're supposed to be continually walking with this awareness that we are in the presence of God, all right? And if you are doing that, and you remember that your brother or your sister has something against you, then what are you to do? Well, now you're to go and you're to reconcile with that brother or sister. You're to say, I'm sorry. You're to ask for forgiveness. You're to do whatever it takes to make restitution, like those kinds of things. Those things are the natural outgrowth of a life lived in worship because worship, by definition, if it's really worship, continually creates in us a heart of humility. And humility, of course, is the antidote to entitlement. Humility is the antidote to this I deserve X, Y, or Z, right? Or whatever expectation I have that's too high now. I go to the grocery store. I've got one item. I should be able to get out of here in three minutes. Well, if I walk in and there's, you know, 50 people waiting in line, you know, humility would say, well, I guess I'm waiting. I mean, or I'm putting this back and I'm coming back later or whatever it is I'm going to decide to do, right? But what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to sit in line and say, dang it, why don't all of you guys get out of my way and I'll go up and I'll you know, I'll be out of here in two minutes and you guys can go back to doing your thing. That's a very selfish, very entitled way to look at things. But that's exactly what, again, yields so much anger in so many people's lives. You know, I got married and my expectations were up here and my wife hasn't met those expectations or my husband hasn't met those expectations. I had kids and my expectations for them were here and they haven't met those expectations. I have a job and, you know, I'd expected to be here in my career, but I'm I'm only here and, and, and now I'm angry about those expectations. I expected God to do X, Y, or Z for me. Yeah. But instead, these things have happened, and now as a result, I'm angry with God. You know, I mean, I, you know, I've told this story, uh, you know, I don't know how many times here at Pepsi, you know, about being in Wisconsin and serving the Lord. I'm in full-time ministry. I've dedicated my life to full-time ministry. Like, I've given my life to God in a very tangible way. I could have done a million other things, at least in theory. I don't know. I don't have very many transferable skills. But at least in theory, I could have done a million other things. But instead, I gave my life to God. I'm in Wisconsin. It's the worst 19 months of my life. The ministry comes just crashing down around my ears. The whole thing implodes, large part due to my own issues. And what am I? I'm, I'm angry with God. God, I have given you everything. This is this is how you treat me. Right. This is the result. And it wasn't until I came continually into God's presence that, again, over and over again, God reminded me, "Well, Doug, like, let's really think about what you deserve." Right. Let's like let you, you, you want to have that conversation. Okay. Like, I'm up for that. Like, let's sit down and let's talk about that, man. Like, what is it you really think you deserve from me? And as you sit and really reflect on that, honestly. Of course, you're like, well, I don't deserve anything. And if I don't deserve anything, then that creates a spirit of humility. And then that humility sort of robs, you know, the oxygen, sort of sucks the oxygen out of the room. And now the, the anger doesn't have anywhere to go. There's right. no fuel for it anymore. And, and it just sort of eventually snuffs out. I, I think that's the antidote that Jesus offers. That's the way of Jesus as it relates to our anger. He says, look, first of all, come and get with me. Mm-hmm. Come and get with me. Let's... Let's right-size your expectations, you know, about what you really think you deserve. And then let's have you go back out and deal with whatever that situation is that you're dealing with, whether it's in your home or it's at your work or it's at school or wherever it might be, um, and and, and see how that changes some things. Yeah. See if that doesn't elicit a different response from you. And I like how he says, when you remember that somebody has something against yes, you, right, right? He doesn't say, "Oh, and yeah. then you suddenly remember that right. you're upset with somebody." That's right. That's There's right. almost this assumption that, like, no, you should have already known that. 
that you've got something against somebody. But if, right. in that moment, you remember somebody has something against you. That's right. Translation, you're actually a part that's right. of something relationally that's broken. You have to own part of that too. Yeah. And, and, and I'll be honest. I mean, I, it's been, I mean, I've been doing this ministry thing for 20 plus years. I've counseled a lot of couples, spent time with a lot of people. It's pretty rare that you have a scenario where one person is the only person at fault. Right. Usually there's enough kind of junk to go around on some yeah. level. That doesn't mean that one person isn't more at fault. That's often the case, but but never totally and completely. I also think some of the principles in here that Jesus offers us is that come to terms quickly. Like yeah, this, don't let this it linger. Yeah, don't let it linger, right? Pastor Gary here talks about keeping short accounts. I think that's a really great way to think about it. Like don't let the balance of your debt towards that other person just grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. Try and take care of it as early and as often as you possibly can. Do it quickly. And then and then try and make restitution. Right. You know, I mean, there is a sense in which it's got to go beyond, hey, I'm sorry. You know, we're doing this with my kids. Like, go beyond I'm sorry to, hey, will you forgive me? Because will you forgive me means I'm now taking ownership or responsibility of something that I have done and... What do I need to do to make this right? Yeah. Uh, I, I think taking some of those steps to also sort of help us deal more constructively with our anger rather than just sort of lashing out. Any final thoughts? I mean, anger is a, an issue that, uh, of course, is a big one. We could talk about it probably over multiple sessions. But any final thoughts on anger, Robbie, from your perspective? I guess I would, I would just say that I think anger, you, you touched on it before, but anger needs to come out of us. Like if you think of anger like this, this cancer that grows inside and festers the longer it's inside of you, it does need to come out. And the way of Jesus is to address it with the person, with the, the source of the anger. I mm-hmm. think the longer we just, we think we can just deal with it, that'll go away, that right. we, and it's, it just compounds. Right. We, we can either ignore it on the inside or we can talk to a third party about it. Right, rather than actually addressing it to the person or the, the situation right. that it is that's that's got us in the trouble. But I think we're place. deluding ourselves if we think we go. That person just made me so angry. Yeah. Oh well, because right. the next time right. you know, that person that's says right. something, we are yeah. going to instantly remember yeah. what they did. And yeah. so I think that yeah. would be that's that's me preaching to myself. And mm-hmm. just as the longer I've lived, the more mm-hmm. I've recognized that when I think I can quote bury my anger, that's a mm-hmm. fallacy. Yeah, absolutely. It's got to go somewhere. Uh, mm-hmm. The energy has got to go somewhere. So yeah. if you try and bury it, it's going to come out in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. And probably it'll come out and it'll hurt someone who just is like an innocent bystander in all this. And they're right. like, what just happened? Like, Robbie just like walked by and punched me in the throat. Right. Like, what just if happened? If I had a nickel for yeah. every time Every that, time that yeah. happened, right? You know, it's that Scottish yeah. rage going yes, back to where a, it began. I there's mean, an innocent bystander That is like your thorn in the flesh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, seriously. Well, Robbie, thank you so much uh, for for dialoguing and jumping back in again with this new season on our podcast as we dive into what it means to follow Jesus more faithfully. Thanks as always to Jake, who's our guy behind the glass. We are missing Billy, uh, who took a new job up in uh, up in the mountains. And Billy, uh, we're bummed not to have you with us, but we know you're listening. So thank you, thank you, brother, for for helping get this whole thing started. Please keep listening as we dive deeper in what to what it means to follow Jesus. We'd love your comments, love your reviews, whatever platform you choose to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to stay tuned as we release more episodes. Make sure to share it with your friends as well. We'll look forward to talking to you next time.